Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night following a very busy trade deadline around the NBA. The Nuggets at the center of it all. The Nuggets were the big winners of today's trade deadline. They acquired in two separate deals. Uh, first, JaVale McGee as a backup center option. They traded out Isaiah Hartenstein and two future, fir- uh, two future second round picks in order to pick up and reunite with JaVale McGee. Then, in a big move, they acquired Aaron Gordon uh, from the Orlando Magic, along with Gary Clark. They sent out Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and a future protected first-round pick. Uh, The Nuggets were very busy. They went all-in on making the playoffs and competing in the playoffs at a championship contention level this season. To help me break it all down, I first talked to Stephen Cameron of the Close Up Magic. He hosts his own podcast, big big uh, Magic fan. Uh, make sure to check him out and his work. We talked for about 30 minutes about Gordon and the Magic situation for sure. Then I talked with Justin Rowan. Uh, he's a big Cleveland Cavaliers fan, was actually picked up by the Cavs themselves to, to host the Chase Down Pod, which he hosts with Carter Rodriguez. Those guys are great. Make sure to follow their work. Uh, we talked about JaVale McGee and the Nugget situation, and then the Aaron Gordon trade as well for about 15, 20 minutes there, so should be good. Uh, and then I followed it up with a lengthy conversation conversation with Jeff Morton. Uh, you guys know him, the King of Thornton himself. He and I talked about Aaron Gordon being excited about this Nuggets team, what the ramifications are with him, JaVale McGee, uh, different stories that Jeff has, some tidbits that he was able to share. And then we talked about Denver's place in the West and what they're going to do with it. A lot of fun, a lot of great conversations. Uh, but let's first start off with Stephen Cameron. All right, joining me now, a special guest covering the Orlando Magic for the Close-Up Magic. He's the host of the Close-Up Magic podcast. It's Stephen Cameron, a big Orlando Magic fan. He's a guy that I trust on on all Orlando Magic things. You can follow him at Stephen0610 on Twitter. Uh, Stephen, just checking in. How are you doing? I know that this has been a really difficult time for for Orlando Magic fans as a whole. Uh, What's going through your mind? Hey, Ryan. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, you and I have been friends for a little while now on Twitter, so it's nice to finally connect on a podcast. So uh, thank you. Uh, today is an interesting day, to be quite honest with you. Um, we, I, I expected some big moves from the Magic. Uh, I was not expecting Vucevic to be traded. There was like hardly any indication that this front office was going to do that. You know, we had indications that AG and Evan Fournier were going to be traded, but to see Vooch as the first domino to fall was just pretty shocking. Um, I don't love the return. I don't hate the return. Uh, and then you just see, like, after that puts you in an emotional spiral. Then you see Evan Fournier gone. Then you see Aaron Gordon gone, um, which, I mean, I wasn't surprised they were leaving, but it's just, like, an emotional roller coaster a little bit. Oh, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's basketball. Rebuilds aren't pretty. This is rebuild number three for the Magic since Dwight. So it's it's whatever at this point. <laughs> it, so. It's tough because you guys have been cycling through this for as long as you have. Uh, Vucevic yeah. has fortunately been there for, for that entire time. Uh, but it's it's got to be difficult to to go through that, and and I, I want to be sensitive to that for sure because three big trades for for three big names that have been with the Magic for so long, it's a really big pivot for you guys. Uh, Huge full rebuild. I, we all yeah. thought they were going to do like a soft rebuild where it's like, all right, trade out Evan, 
trade out uh, Aaron Gordon and come back with a good pick. Vooch is kind of the leader still. Uh, then you have Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, and you know you're back to trying to be competitive in the playoffs next year, right? Uh, right. That just obviously wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> with Vooch well, gone, it's full rebuild now. Uh, we were talking about this before the podcast, but it to me it just seems like this this could be a good thing for the Magic yeah. in general. That it's it's been a a purgatory season for sure, uh, where guys on different timelines. Of the, mm-hmm. It was a cursed season at the beginning with Isaac going out, Markel Fultz going out. So maybe this is the push in the direction that's needed for the franchise. So you could get just another couple of guys in there that, that have a lot of talent and can really take this team to another level. So I'm looking totally. forward to watching it. Like, yeah, it's it, going to be interesting. I mean, I'm not upset we're rebuilding at all. I'm not. Am I thrilled with all the returns? I think that's more or less where it's at. Like, I, I'm not surprised we're rebuilding. I don't know if I love all the returns we got. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you have to shift focus at some point. Um, it kind of makes Markel Fultz contract a little, like, because his his third year is a team option. So, you know, and it's it, it, it there's a lot to unpack here. I don't want to go too deep. But, like, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's a change of chapter. You know, we're, we're officially done with the, uh, the original guys from the first rebuild from Dwight. So it's, it's right. a brand new chapter. Well, let's go over the terms of the, of the Aaron Gordon trade real quick. Cause this yeah. is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was just because you are as familiar with Aaron Gordon's game as anybody. So uh, let's, let's talk about it. Gary Harris, RJ Hampton and a 2025 first round pick lottery protected, are actually, it may not be lottery protected. We're still unclear about the actual protections there, but I think it is protected in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, there's going to be protections. Uh, so those uh, those pieces going to Orlando and Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark coming back to Denver. So uh, let's let's start with Aaron Gordon first. Uh, this is a guy that I've had my eye on for a while with regard to the Nuggets. I think he's a great fit for what the Nuggets are going to be trying to build over the course of these next couple seasons uh, sort of fits well with what they have. Do you agree with that? What, what about Aaron Gordon's game do you think makes him a good or a bad fit with Denver? Well, first off, know that I love the Denver Nuggets. Um, my wife and I love Denver. We've almost moved there a couple of times already. We still might move there at some point in the future. So Denver's a team I watch somewhat consistently. Um, I, I mean, not a diehard, but I pay attention to what they're doing. I think Aaron Gordon's going to be a great fit. So I'm actually really happy this is a landing spot for him. You know, a competitive team where he can finally be in a team that is truly got an opportunity to do something special in the postseason. Um, no more like these fringe first round playoff teams, right? So right. Um, that's going to be great. What what Denver is going to get is a player that can guard you know, realistically, probably two through five um, at an, at a pretty elite level on the wings. Um, there's going to be some guards that are a little bit quick for him. There's going to be some fives that are a little bit heavy for him. But for the most part, you know, that person that needs to lock up Kawhi, that needs to lock up Kevin Durant, that needs to lock up LeBron, you have that guy with Aaron Gordon now. And defensively, that's really what he's going to bring for your for the Nuggets, he's just, he's a monster. He can take switches really well. Um, he's a very smart defender, very good at um, you know, just just deflections, being in passing lanes. Um, he's just a really smart on-ball defender. Um, decent decent help defender, but really what he specializes in defensively is, is man-to-man on-ball. So um, that's going to be really nice for you guys to have. Um, 
offensively, he is a capable splash, a slasher. Um, right. You know, obviously he's a lob threat. Jamal Murray and him hopefully have a really nice connection, and he's just up in the air all the time catching lobs for you guys because Aaron Gordon in-game dunks are some of the most exciting things that the Magic have had ever since he's been on the team. I mean, you got the guy doing the mailman uh, in games, right? 360s yeah. in games, <laughs> tomahawks in games. Like he, you know, you have someone who's going to be really exciting above the basket. Um, he's a capable three point shooter. This is his first year really hitting it pretty nice. I think he's shooting at around 36% this year, maybe a little bit higher. I haven't checked in a few days. Um, but he's a, he's a decent three point shooter. The thing that gets Aaron in trouble is occasionally he, um, gets a little bit, we call it T-Mac vision. Um, but basically where he plays a little bit hero ball, forgets to pass every now and then, and tries to create a little bit too much for himself. That's where he gets in the most trouble where he is creating for himself. He can be an okay second, third creator for others. Um, he can be, uh, he, he can be, he's a smart passer when he needs to be, but when he's trying to create sure. his own offense and it's not something that's within the natural flow of what's going on, that's where he gets into trouble. That's where he takes really bad, like turnaround fadeaway shots, um, forcing up threes, like trying to be too aggressive while driving when he could have passed to someone else. Now. The reason why I think this will be less of a problem for you guys is because you have a much more clear hierarchy of who's the options on the team where the magic, it's like Nikola Vucevic. And then is it Aaron? Is it Evan? Is it Markel? Who's the second number? Who's the second option that should be getting this ball? Is it AG? Right. right. No one really knew. So now going to a team that is a clear number one and number two or one, a one B, however you guys look at them with the Jokic and Murray, uh, you know, Aaron's clearly going to be the third option or fourth option. I don't, I, I, fourth option, I guess, whoever's on the court, if Michael Porter's on the court with them. Um, so that'll be really exciting um, for him to just kind of see, like not have that same pressure to create for, for himself. So that'll be nice. I'm excited to see how him and Michael Porter pair up. Um, it, you know, I think he's going to be really nice at covering up some of Michael Porter's defensive and in, uh, abilities. So We'll see. That's one, really of, that's one of the things that I'm really interested in with this with this group. Uh, I know that building around Michael Porter is going to be pretty difficult for Denver going forward, and there, he just is going to have some deficiencies offensively, defensively, that are going to rear their head in a playoff situation. Uh, one of those things is ball handling. He, he actually struggles handling the ball as a pick-and-roll creator, as somebody who you can go to in the post consistently. He is really more of a just kind of a Clay Thompson off-ball wing uh, cutter, uh, somebody who really doesn't dribble as, as that, like that often, and he gets into trouble when he's dribbling. With Gordon, he, he's not the perfect creator in terms of that situation, but he's better than Paul Millsap. He's better than Jermichael Green. He's better than right. guys like that who, right. like, he's a guy that you can at least see in, in a secondary creator role, somebody who runs a side pick and roll with somebody, maybe generates a switch and then posts up. He's a guy who I see is kind of ducking in uh, for the post. Like when Jokic loves to throw these passes to Paul Millsap and, and Michael Porter, where they duck into the paint against a mismatch, Aaron Gordon to me feels like a guy who he could take advantage of his size and his strength and be able to do that and, and go right over the top of the defense. So there's a lot to like in that situation too. 
the the defense is where I want to hone in though, because the Nuggets they're not going to have a lot of problems on the offensive end. Like you said, there's a hierarchy. Jokic is going to be he's the best offensive player in the NBA. Uh, Murray is is he's still developing, of course, on that end, but he has these moments where he looks like an All NBA guard. Uh, Michael Porter he's going to score like we know that he's he's a flamethrower. What they don't have is a guy who can match up in situations with LeBron, Kawhi, Luca. Anthony Davis at times and Paul George at times. That's those are got. those are the, the the guys that in this conference are going to be the most difficult for Denver to match up with, have been the most difficult for Denver to match up with. So when you say Aaron Gordon can match up with those guys, are, are you are you BSing me here? Is he a guy that oh. like is that's his is that his best defensive skill? Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, okay, you're only slowing down Kevin Durant so much, right? You're only going right. to slow these guys so much. They're going to get their points, but he's definitely going to make their life really hard. Um, I could give me some time one day. I'll go back and find some statistical charts, but like the, the shooting percentages he holds these guys to is some of the best in the league. It's ridiculous. So he wow. really, really shows up when it comes to guarding those players. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite incredible. I think you guys will be really impressed. Now, granted, yes, he's not a defensive player of the year candidate, right? But could he eventually work his way up into like a second team all defender? Like, I think so. I think he probably could have had some of those types of all defensive team, at least mentions in the conversation. Not saying he is that, but mentions for that in the conversation. If the Magic had been, have had done better in years past, just performance wise, I think you know, we've been floating around the eight seed for two years. So you're not going to get that kind of recognition, but had we, let's say been a consistent sixth, fifth seed. Yeah. He probably would have had some of those conversations about being at least in the conversation for those all defensive teams um, because his one-on-one defense is, is pretty special. He's really good. He had a series like uh, you guys, you guys faced Kawhi Leonard and, and the Toronto Raptors in the playoffs the year that the Raptors won the championship. That was a series in, in my mind that stands out as look, Kawhi, he, he got a lot of great, he, he had a lot of points. Like he, he still was successful, but he had to work for it a lot. Yeah. And, and he was one of the only guys on that, on that Raptors roster that could create. And he, he already had so many difficult things going on with that. So I, I can see this working out really well in Denver's favor. One of the things that I like about it is it really starts to form a hierarchy. Uh, Denver already has Jokic as the number one. They have Murray as a two. I, I think you could probably talk yourself into Porter or Gordon being that third option, depending on on what you need. But Gordon, I think he, he has a case to be the third best player for sure because oh, sure. of what he does on the defensive end, because of what he does as an all-around player. Uh, he's he's sort of the glue guy in for every championship contender kind of needs. I mean, he's definitely going to be your best two-way player on the wing. I don't I don't yeah. see anyone else on that on that roster that's going to be able to do what he does. And uh, I mean, because it's not like he's a bad offensive player. I mean, he's he's right. fine. He's really good. Um, so and yeah, I, yeah, you know, I'll say this. I I don't want. I don't want Nuggets fans to take my word for it, right? Obviously, you know, I've watched this guy for seven years, so I, I, I know what I'm talking about. But go go pull up some old games that the Magic played versus the Nets with KD or even the Warriors. Go go watch some games where we played Luka, where we played Kawhi, um, LeBron, and just go watch some defensive plays, right? Defense isn't fun to watch, but go watch it. Like, he'll, 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 it'll show you what he's really capable of. And then when you see him nailing open threes – um, 
when you, when you see him doing these, you know, energetic drives to the basket and dunking all over people, he's easily going to be a 15 point per game guy for you probably. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I see him uh, playing over 30 minutes per game for sure. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's going to be a guy with that, with that four man unit. I think, I think the Murray Porter, uh, Gordon Jokic foursome is going to be so dynamic on both ends of the floor that teams are going to have a really difficult time matching up with the nuggets consistently because oh, yeah. the, the more they, the more they level onto Jokic, the more they cover Murray, the more they go at Porter. Like if, if Gordon is the guy that teams are giving the least amount of attention to of those four consistently, that it, it could, it could mean a lot of really high efficiency situations for him. Do you think that that's one of the things that he sort of like that he may benefit from in the situation, just going from a magic team where he was the second option on some nights, the first option on some nights uh, playing next to Al Farouk Aminu, uh, And like, maybe like there's, there's just a lot of, I had a lot yeah. of spacing questions about the Orlando magic. Like he's going to yeah. have some of the best spacing he's ever had here. Yeah. So the thing with every Orlando magic player is they've been miscasted with unbalanced rosters, right? Everyone has right. always had to play a position better than they should. Nikola Vucevic is a phenomenal player. Should he be your number one option? No, he should definitely be a number two option for you if you're a competitive team, right? You know, Evan Fournier is a really nice player, but should should he be number two? No, he should be number three or number four on most most offensive teams, right, that are really going for it. So uh, same with Aaron Gordon, right? So him knocking down to the clear number three-ish range, three or four, is perfect. It's perfect for him. Him on a team that actually has some guys that can hit big shots and hit three pointers, um, that that allows so much more spacing for him to operate the way that all Magic fans have wanted him to operate. But the problem is the Magic continued not to give enough spacing, not enough creation on the outside, and um, you know, obviously we never had that true number one option. So um, I, I think Aaron Gordon's going to excel. Um, I think like most Magic players that leave the Magic, you see them in a different system, in a more balanced roster, and things really open up for their game. There's going to be a lot of sad Magic fans when when Aaron Gordon is, is playing really well for the Nuggets. Um, luckily, I enjoy the Nuggets, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some enjoyment <laughs> out of it. So it'll, it'll be good. I want nothing but good things. It's nice that out of today, most of our players went to some pretty good situations. So, um, yeah, I'm super stoked for Denver. I'm super stoked for Aaron Gordon. Um, we'll see what happens with Orlando. You know, I like RJ, so that'll be exciting. But, uh, yeah, I, to answer your question, it's going to be good for, for the Denver Nuggets and for Aaron Gordon. Well, one last question on Denver, really brief. What do you think their title ceiling is right now? Is this a team that can compete with anybody now, like give, given their – given their hierarchy, like if you look around the West, if you look at some of the teams in the East that they would match up with, is there a matchup that you're concerned about? Is there a team that they, they can't get through or are they, are they capable of beating anybody? Well, I mean, I think Denver has already been capable of beating anybody. Um, now the question is, can they do it in a seven game series? I, I don't know. I don't study Denver that hard. Um, but you know, if, if one of your issues was locking up, you know, Paul George locking up Kawhi Leonard, like, and being able to do those switches, like that's going to be less of an issue for you going forward. So I'll let you answer that question because I don't study the team like you do, but I definitely think he's going to help you. Um, And I mean, Denver is already a title contender this year, so I don't see that changing in a negative way. So I think you only added to your team because 
let's be realistic. You probably lost a little bit of shooting in Gary Harris, but I don't think he was playing much this year anyways. He was dealing with a lot of injuries. And RJ yeah. Hampton isn't playing because you guys are too deep. Um, so, yeah, I think you guys got better today. I think you guys made a good trade today. Glad to hear it. Uh, this this should be fun, Nuggets fans. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the magic. We'll be right back. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by Stephen Cameron. Make sure to follow all of his work on Twitter. I referenced the, the handle uh, earlier in the show. Uh, it's I think it's at Stephen0910. Is that right? 0610. I think so, dude. Honestly, I have to look it up every time I say it. <laughs> Just look up Stephen Cameron, and I'll make sure to add him in the, in the posting of this podcast. Uh, so, Stephen, the Nuggets gave up Gary Harris who has been with the team for just as long as Aaron Gordon has been with the Magic. They were both drafted in the same draft in 2014. Uh, it's It's been a long, wild ride for both of those players. Uh, Gordon, has been, he's been on the threshold of stardom for so long. Uh, Gary Harris, he started out where it looked like he was going to hit stardom, but then he's just been marred by injuries over the course of these last few years. Uh, what questions do you have for me? about the package, about what the Nuggets gave up, and and what can I help answer for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, what, is there any, tell us more what's going on with Gary Harris right now and his injuries. Is he actually going to be able to play this year? Uh, It's a, it's a mystery. I I will say What is his injury, I guess? What is his injury first? So he went out earlier a couple months ago with an adductor strain. Uh, on his left side, uh, which is a core injury. He's dealt with core injuries before. He's had a lot of situations where it's core injuries are just so finicky because it really is a pain tolerance thing. And if it's so painful that you can't keep going, then you got to just let it rest and recover. Uh, he is, he came back for a game against the Washington Wizards at one point, played 28 minutes. Very surprised that he did that. It was kind of out of the blue. Uh, I think it was a, a thing on a whim, and I, I believe that he may have re-injured that injury. Uh, so we don't know what the extent of the situation has been with him. Michael Malone has said that he's working his way back, that he's going to do his best to, to get back to as healthy as he can. Uh, but it's been pretty vague. It's been pretty ambiguous. There has been no timetable. Uh, I I hope that he can get back healthy and play some games in Orlando, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's 100%. Yeah, that's fair. And this front office does not rush anyone uh, coming back from injury. That's something the Magic do not do. So if he needs full recovery until right. the end of the season, he'll get it in Orlando for sure. Um, when he does come back, is there any what, – what's he like as a player now for the Magic – or for, for Denver when he was healthy? Like, obviously, he's a capable defender. Um, offensively, we've seen his shot pretty much drop pretty far away from what it used to be a couple of years ago. Um, what, what's he bringing to a team right now when he's healthy? So, so he's a three and D guy. He has had his ball handling responsibilities kind of retract over the course of these last couple of years, kind of on par with the emergence of Jamal Murray. Uh, Will Barton has still been a, a part of things here. 
Uh, Gary Harris has really fallen into the the third ball handling role in that system, which for Denver, because they give the ball to Nikola Jokic so much, it means that he doesn't have to do a lot. He'll he'll run the occasional DHO. Sometimes he'll initiate a set from the pick and roll, but it's a very rare thing. Most of the time, he's going to be a spot up shooter and cutter. On, on the offensive end and, and the shooting has fallen off. Uh, he's still a great cutter. He was finishing around the rim really well this year. Uh, he had had his uh, finishing drop off over the previous couple of years. But one of the things that really stood out at the beginning of this season with, with him healthy was that he was finishing at a high clip, which is something he had done before the injuries occurred uh, kind of, kind of uh, multiple years ago. So the hope is that you can get him back to a point, a place where he's handling the ball a little bit, where he's feeling comfortable, where he sort of understands what his role in the offense is, and that he he has a little bit of more free wielding power, where he can get more comfortable, where he can understand just just what his next place is for for in a team like Orlando, where he could just continue to expand his game a little bit. Now, Ryan, um. Gary Harris is obviously the salary filler in this. The main reason we did this trade was probably for the first round pick in 2025, which again, we don't know the protections on and uh, RJ Hampton. Right. RJ Hampton is someone I was super stoked on, but you've obviously had to, you've gotten to follow him a bit more, even though he hasn't played much for the nuggets Um, overall since drafting RJ Hampton, what, what have you liked about him what have you not liked about him just what overall what's your impressions of rj since the draft so he has a a boundless amount of energy that's one thing that really stands out with him as as he's a firecracker uh, on the floor off the floor he's a guy who does things the right way he operates uh, in in the right way he went to australia to develop his game and it was a tough decision for him to have to make, uh, but he wanted to prepare himself as best as he could for the NBA and thought that that would be the best way to do it. Much like LaMelo Ball did when he went to Australia, uh, RJ Hampton did it the same way. He had a worse season and, and I think put worse traits uh, on film. And that's one of the reasons why he dropped to Denver, but they were very happy when they got him. Uh, he's a guy that I think they, they project as a combo guard, uh, somebody who can both handle the ball and operate off ball. They like his rebounding a lot. He's, he's rebounded at a high level. They like his defensive intensity and his ability to move his feet. Uh, that's a really, really good sign for him. He's long, athletic, gets up for great dunks. He's going to be a showstopper, I think, if he gets an opportunity to develop in Orlando. Uh, he's gonna when he gets out on fast breaks, that dude can fly, uh, both just, just running down the floor and jumping as high in the air as possible. So I like his skill set. I think it reminds me a lot of Zach Levine. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, he still has to a long way to go with his shot. That's something that I think it's always going to be tied to. Uh, he has some ways to go as a finisher through contact, but that could be solved with the weight room. That could be solved with repetition. So there's a lot to like about RJ Hampton. That was a guy that the Nuggets didn't want to give up in the steal. I know that for a fact, uh, but they, they knew that they would have to get that done if they wanted to get this deal done. I'm just thankful that it was RJ over Bull Bull. I know a lot of there was there was some mixed right. Magic fans that wanted Bull Bull. Um, I'm sure he's fine. Just not someone I wanted on my radar, especially once we got Wendell Carter too. Um, we already got overly long no, and, and players, like, but RJ and like, like an exciting guy on the wing. Like that's exciting. 
No, and especially like if, if Markel Fultz is whether he's in the long term plans or not, uh, he because I, I think he is in the long term plans, yeah. but he's he's still with his injury. Uh, he he has had some hiccups with the development process. If you decide that you want to pivot to Cole Anthony at any point in time as kind of that main point guard option, RJ Hampton's a decent guy to have running next to him because he he adds a little bit of athleticism there. He adds a little bit of burst. Uh, right. That's going to be something that I think you like with Markel Fultz. Uh, but I, for, for now, especially like I, I think for the rest of the season, RJ would be a good guy to give 20, 25 minutes off the bench. Uh, somebody who's going to uh, be a big showstopper for Orlando and, and provide a lot of great moments. Uh, long-term, I could see him operating in a three-guard lineup with uh, Fultz, Anthony, and and Hampton all on the floor. And then you throw Isaac out there, you throw Chumo Kiki out there. If Wendell Carter pans out or maybe even Mo Bamba, then uh, they, there could be something there with this group. Uh, th- oh, but sure. there's there's a lot of pieces that I think you can get yeah. excited for. Uh, RJ Hampton is one of them for sure. You know, having super raw players is nothing that this front office is, is scared of because we drafted Mo <laughs> yeah. Bamba and Jonathan Isaac, which were super raw players, uh, you know, so – Cole Anthony and Chuma are like the most NBA ready players this front office has drafted since being uh, here. So it's right. Having, having RJ, he's going to fit right in. Hey, I tell you what though, magic fans are pretty solid people. We're going to take good care of these guys. Um, You know, Harris is going to have, you know, hopefully he can be a nice veteran presence for all these young players. If he can do that, the magic fans will love him. They're not going to ask him to do too much. We know he's probably not super long-term with us. Um, right. You know, and then RJ, we half the fans have been wanting some really young people on this team anyway. So having someone like RJ is going to be good. Hopefully that 2025 pick can turn out to be a good asset for us as well. We'll see. Who knows? It could get traded before even then. So who knows? Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Is it the best trade that was on the market? Probably not. I don't know. But is it one that I think is, is, is it's going to benefit you guys for sure. Um, uh, when we find out more about the first round pick, that'll kind of decide if this was a good trade or not. We'll see. Um, I kind of wish the pick wasn't too, I mean, I don't know. It makes sense that it's far away because Denver's not going to be bad anytime soon. So, um, I think it really more comes up to the protections on 2025. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this trade pans out for both sides. Uh, I said to you that I would try to for, try to not forget mentioning Gary Clark on this trade podcast. And so I, uh, I, I will mention him now. Uh, do you have a Gary Clark take for me? Do you think he's somebody that, that could play in a playoff series for Denver? A lot of people like him. He's a nice person. He's really good at fishing. He was the bass fishing. He was the bass fishing master in the in the bubble. Uh, I don't think anyone caught more bass than Gary did in the bubble. Um, I thank God he's got a t- uh, a team option partially guaranteed on the, on his second year of his contract. So um, I, I he's not going to play for you guys unless all hell breaks loose. Like he's the fifteenth man on the roster. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys just bought him out at some point or or cut him um, with with next year being partially guaranteed. If you guys need more roster depth, he's you guys didn't acquire Gary Harris or Gary Clark. We let go of Gary Clark. Let's put it that way. Interesting, because I I know that Denver has had a lot of deficiencies on the wing, of course, with wing defense. That's something that I, I would assume that Gary Clark could provide. Is that not true? I mean, he's okay. He's an okay defender. He's, you know, 
his bread and butter, what was supposed to keep him in the NBA was being a three and D guy. Um, but he hasn't been hitting his shots uh, from beyond the arc this year at all. Um, and his defense has been kind of subpar. So, um, I'm trying to spin it in a good way, but I think we should end the conversation earlier before we keep going. Cause I don't know how much more I can say positive about Gary. <laughs> Seems like a really nice guy. A lot of untapped potential. He was, uh, I think a defensive player of the year in his conference uh, in NCAA. Um, so he does have some untapped potential. He just doesn't do it consistently. And that's the problem. Um, he had a really good showing in the bubble for the magic, uh, especially in the, uh, in the first round versus the bucks, he played really, really good, but for some right. reason, something hasn't translated to this season. So it magic fans were quickly like, Hey, cool. We brought him back on a fairly cheap deal. Like, let's see what happens. And now, now we're all kind of like, man, this guy's literally just wasting space right now. So, um, all right. Yeah, that's kind of where it's at. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he can get some more out. Because I mean, I like the guy. I, I no one has said a bad word about Gary Clark as as a person uh, in a locker room. Um, he's not going to be a problem for the team, but will he contribute on the court is the real question. So hopefully he does. I, I would love good things for happen to to happen for Gary. Well, I'm glad to hear it, uh, Stephen. This has been a great conversation. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can the people find you, and and what do you, what do you have going for you right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, come check us out at theclosetmagic.com if you want to see anything magic related. We post some articles from time to time. Recently, if you're into the Top Shop sphere, like go check it out. We got a couple Top Shop Top Shot articles up right now. You'll see some trade articles coming up soon. Um, we do podcasts a couple times a month. We're not a weekly podcast group, but uh, but you know I'll throw one up every you know every week, every other week, you know, two, three times a month. So, um, and I am always happy to talk magic basketball or the NBA in general. You can find me on Twitter at Steven zero six one zero, or you can follow the close-up magic, uh, at the close-up magic on Twitter. Good to hear it, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and, and I appreciate the conversation. Good luck, man. No problem. Thanks Ryan. All right, great stuff from Steven there. Thank you so much again for coming on. Let's now talk to Justin Rowan and get his thoughts on JaVale McGee. And welcoming into Pickaxe and Roll for the first time, Justin Rowan of the Chase Down podcast, home of the Cleveland Cavaliers, actually. That's so cool that you, you guys got picked up by that group at Cavzanada on Twitter. Justin, how are you? How is the trade deadline treating you guys? I'm doing terrific, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Overall, pretty good deadline. Um, this, obviously, Nuggets are the the one reported deal uh, that, that went through for the Cavs. Uh, so maybe not as active as some expected. But overall, pr pretty good haul. Like I, I feel like the, the asset management for the Cavs has been pretty good this year. Um, I, I made the joke that the true treasure was the trades we made along the way. And the, the biggest deal for the Cavs <laughs> was, uh, Jared Allen earlier. So the Cavs just got their deadline in a little earlier than most teams. Absolutely. Like I, th I think that many people kind of forget that with the Cavs that doing your work early is okay. And, and Jared Allen being able to go to the Cavs for basically, I mean, it, it was, it was not a lot. Uh, it was a really big steal for you guys. So did all that work early, uh, got the Andre Drummond situation worked out though. I'm sure you're probably not like, it, it is what it is with that. Um, exactly. But you've got, uh, you've got Jared Allen now as the starting center. Now you've got Isaiah Hartenstein as the backup center. And it looks like, or, and I might be mistaken about that. It could be somebody else too, but, uh, uh, and it looks like JaVale McGee is going to go to Denver, uh, 
two second round picks, Isaiah Hartenstein going Denver's way. Uh, for, what were your first reactions when you saw the deal? And, and how did how do you think Denver made out there? Well, first of all, I, I love it for Denver. Um, I think the JaVale McGee you guys are getting is a more mature version. This is someone that was a fantastic locker room presence. Um, it's one of the reasons why he's stuck around with those championship Warriors and Lakers teams is this guy is somebody that guys love to be around at practice. Uh, he's a hard worker. He's a leader. Uh, he's grown up. He, he's not the JaVale McGee that came over from the Warriors uh, or not from the Warriors, from the Wizards rather. Right, um, right, right. It, it, that, that guy's in the past. Like you're still going to get the odd kind of bonehead mistake or whatever. Obviously you're going to have him on a minutes restriction uh, w- with the asthma that he deals with, but he's so effective in those minutes. It, it was a thrill. Like, I, I'm going to miss JaVale McGee. Uh, I, I really enjoyed having him on the team. Overall, it, it's pretty ridiculous because once the Cavs lost Tristan Thompson, we were looking at kind of the free agent market at that time, and there weren't a lot of good backup centers available. So for the Cavs to go out, get a second-round pick from the Lakers to take on JaVale McGee, then get two more second-round picks from the Denver Nuggets on the way out after... I guess 60% of a season of very high level backup center play. That's, that's a huge win. Of course, especially like the Cavs are in a situation, you know, this better than anybody they're rebuilding. They're trying to just pick up the pieces, try to figure out the best way to, to surround their team with as many uh, long-term assets and long-term players as they possibly can. Jared Allen's a good example of that. Obviously you have Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Larry Nance, who was a guy that I, I had my eye on. I, I'm sure that half the Hell half no. the league did as well. Uh, you know, I, I made the joke. I, I know that Larry Nance wasn't going to be traded from the Cavs because he endorsed the chase down pod guys. So like, there's no way that they would do that if they're going to do it the other way. So uh, exactly. no, you, he, he was our season preview guy guest we we've had him on twice now you can't do that to him it, it's larry was he's too he's too important of a piece and um like you guys know this having veterans is so important for a young team and he's a guy that, right. that fits that perfectly for sure so the version that the nuggets are getting of javel mcgee you mentioned it that he he just is a different player than he was when nuggets fans last saw him he was he had just signed a big contract with denver uh, he wasn't necessarily in the best place. Uh, they decided at one point, I think after the first season of him signing that new contract that he needed to go, they were at a different place as an organization. Now they just need 12 to 15 solid minutes of a backup center. And it's hard to beat what JaVale McGee has brought. What do you think? Like, because Jokic is, is a, is a very unique center. Obviously he, nobody can really replace what he does. What do you think JaVale McGee adds to what he does? So I, I think what you get is somebody that does have a lot of gravity. Like he is a considerable threat when he's going to the basket. And um, some of the nice wrinkles that I didn't really understand um, that he's added to his game is he does provide some playmaking. Like th- there have been times where the Cavs dump it to him for a give and go and he makes the correct read. He finds guys uh, just really kind of those little things in the the, the details, uh, the things that you pick up playing with the team like the Golden State Warriors for, for that run as well as the the LA Lakers. I mean, people will talk about how McGee wasn't effective in the bubble and that uh, maybe that that would be something that would make people hesitant in acquiring him at, at this deadline. I don't think that's something you, you necessarily need to factor in. Like one of one of the things I would point to is you had such an extended layoff before the bubble and for someone right. that has asthma and 
like myself, I haven't. I, I know how much work it takes to get your conditioning back up to that point. And I believe he was also one of the reported cases of someone that actually contracted COVID prior to the bubble. So right. the, the fact that you have all these factors going in, yeah, you're, you're not going to have the same JaVale McGee role uh, that you had in the regular season. That's understandable. Anthony Davis was going to play more minutes at the five. But I, I think McGee is more than capable of providing that solid defense in drop coverage. Uh, he's a rim deterrent. He's going to get a few goaltending calls. Um, th that's still something that happens. But I mean, if the shot's going to go in, like the goaltend stays in the offensive player's mind. And the, the fact that Javier McGee came flying out of nowhere to snatch the ball out of the air or or to block the hell out of it, like that is something that factors in. So I, I think for what the Nuggets need, which is a very kind of brief spell for Nikola Jokic, McGee fits that perfectly. And, and I, I think he fits it more than someone like Harnstein, who is still a very raw prospect. Absolutely. And, and we, we've seen JaVale kind of go through these evolutions over the course of his career. And he's he's gone from a, a high usage, high mistake player with Washington, with Denver. He's bounced around the league a little bit, then found his way to the Golden State Warriors and then to the L.A. Lakers, where he was able to contribute to those championship teams, whether it be in a starting role or a bench role. He, he found his niche. And, and I tend to think that guys who can do that, especially guys, like you said, he's a good locker room presence. He's somebody who is always going to be a positive. I think guys like that are going to add to the product. And, and, and for a Nuggets team that's just looking to bolster their rotation, that's trying to find different ways to compete, they didn't really have a great rim rolling threat outside of Jokic. And, and he's not an above the rim threat in any stretch of the word. So I think that this gives Michael Malone options. I think it's going to be fun to watch him play. Uh, he may or may not play in the playoffs. We're gonna, we're just gonna have to wait and see. And and if he does, then great. If not, then I I think that's okay too. Depending on the other options that Denver has, like because they just added Aaron Gordon, they're now moving Paul Millsap to the bench on a on a lineup that already has Jamichael Green. So they they have a lot of options now to really manage that rotation and. Uh, just getting your thoughts here on on the Aaron Gordon trade. I know you and I spoke prior to this that this this was a a really big move for Denver. Uh, did you did you see it that way? Did you see this as as something that Denver needed to do? I, I think that this is to me the most important deal at the trade deadline. I, I think this gives Denver a legitimate shot to make the finals. Um, I, I think that there is a window that has opened in the Western Conference with LeBron being hurt, uh, with Anthony Davis being a bit of a question mark. The Clippers went out and gave up multiple second round picks to downgrade uh, in the hopes of a mythic figure of playoff Rondo, which, yeah, it kind of worked out in the bubble when he was hitting three-point shots, but everybody was hitting three-point shots at an inflated rate. Right, right. I, We've also got a bit of a track record of him not being so great in the playoffs in Dallas and, and other previous stops. So I, I don't really consider the Clippers to be a, a serious threat. What Aaron Gordon brings to the table, like he, he's a very good defensive player. I think Denver has the infrastructure to keep him in his ideal role, which is playing as that power forward. Uh, there's some interchangeable uh, things that you can do with him and Michael Porter Jr., um, I, I think that this makes them legitimate. And, and to me, it's a thrill because I love seeing a market like Denver make this move, go all in to some extent and, and really give themselves a legitimate shot at, at a championship. Because, I mean, it's uh, as a fan and 
someone that commentates on another team that isn't necessarily in a glamour market, which I still don't really understand. I love Denver. Uh, but it, <laughs> like it's someone that, yeah, when you're not a glamour market, you got to find these moves. You got to consolidate talent when that opportunity is there. And that's what separates a team like Denver that's going to have a legitimate shot and someone like Portland that's just never really gone over the hump. You can get to that treadmill where you're good but not good enough. It's about recognizing that and making the appropriate moves. And I, I think Gordon is that for Denver. It's going to be fascinating. It feels like this move came at the exact right time for where Denver is at. Jokic at this point is is putting up an MVP caliber season. Uh, you as a as a Canadian understand and appreciate the the Jamal Murray experience to the fullest extent, and mm-hmm. he is really stepping into his own as well. Uh, and, and healthy Ford, and healthy. Yeah, <laughs> he looks good. He he and and in that bubble, like you mentioned the the shooting, it, it was incredible in the bubble, and and he has translated it at least a little bit into the this regular season. It hasn't been perfect, but. I, I just tend to trust Jamal Murray in those situations because he's, he's proven it over the course of his playoff tenure. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is as talented of a shooter as I've ever seen. Uh, mm-hmm. that, it, it's kind of his, his defense uh, unbelievable. Isn't as terrible as it was as well. Like that's it, improved. Like what, baby I, what steps. I really, what it, what it really comes down to. And I, I know people, their perception of Jeremy Grant is colored by how well he's playing this season. But the version of Jeremy Grant that the Nuggets had and the defined role that they would have for such a player, I think Aaron Gordon fits that better. Like, I I really, really do. He is a really dynamic defensive player. I think you get a little bit more playmaking from him. Um, And when you have that infrastructure, when you have Jokic, like Jokic has this effect of everyone has to kind of fall in line because like he might not be the best player in the league, but he's having the best season. And especially with um, Embiid and and LeBron out, like there's nobody having a better season right now than Nikola Jokic. And like, I I think just he's going to elevate Aaron Gordon. He's going to elevate everyone around him. And this roster just makes a lot of sense. Like I I like both of their moves that they made and both kind of feel like win-wins. Like I I like the return for Orlando. I think it fits their timeline better. I think the move with Cleveland fits their timeline very well. They add another 22 year old and some draft capital that kind of helps restock that cupboard. And Denver now is in a place where they're legitimate. I I think it, it, I'm really, really happy for Denver because I I think it's a feel-good story. Real quick, do you think that this move elevates them into the top tier of championship contention? Yes, I I move them there. I I 100% move Denver into that top tier. I I think they are as legitimate as anybody in the association. It's wonderful to hear that. Like I I asked uh, Stephen Cameron that from from an Orlando blog on the other on the other. part of this podcast. And, and he also said, yes, he also thought that Aaron Gordon kind of elevates and kind of binds together what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I tend to think the same thing that this is, this is a guy that really, he, he is that, that Draymond green version of what the nuggets they're, they're trying to build something that's kind of uh, next to the, what the golden state warriors have built uh, yeah. with the way that they have built uh, this is kind of their Draymond Green move, or or maybe it's their Iguodala move. Maybe maybe that's what what it's a better comparison to. It's kind of like a, a a starting caliber guy who who never really fully got off the ground in his previous place, but now he can fall into that fourth option role and just makes a lot of sense in every lineup and bind everything together. 
I, I totally agree. And I do need to apologize, though, because there is another aspect of this. The chaos grenade of the Andre Drummond buyout. He, he might be the best player that's ever been bought out <laughs> in the NBA. Uh, he is still a hell of an effective player. Like, yeah, it did work out in Cleveland. Like, it, it was reported at the time that Jared Allen was someone that they might pursue in restricted free agency. That opportunity just came earlier, and that right. fit what the Cavs are doing. So, yeah, this is the way it works out. But if he goes to the Lakers or wherever he goes, that is going to kind of tip the scales of power. Now, the Lakers are a massive question mark right now because of the injuries that they're dealing with. So um, that I, I don't know, but right. it is going to be really interesting to see where he ends up landing. And that that could like I, I, I would hate I would hate for that to be what derails him. I don't think it's going to be that much of a difference maker, but it is something that I'm at least keeping my eye on when I'm talking about winners and losers at the trade deadline. It's funny. You mentioned uh, small markets earlier, and I, I would say that the buyout market is probably the largest delineation between small market and big market bias. That's that's probably the thing that I point to in the NBA as, okay, this is something the Nuggets are never going to be able to take part in. Like, no. No, matter, no matter what, like, like nobody is ever going to buy out to go try to sign with the Denver Nuggets unless there is like a, a perfect role waiting for them in a starting. Unless capacity. you had LeBron, like they work for the yeah. Cavs, like they got Darren Williams, who was good until he got hurt right before the playoffs, which still drives me nuts. Um, but you mm. know, like that's that's basically like and, and even then, even then, LeBron couldn't get people to come to Cleveland the first go around. Like he right. couldn't get Ray Allen, he couldn't get Michael Red, he couldn't get any of these guys. Like no one wanted to go play there. It was only the second time after they won a championship. I do think there is a possibility that Denver becomes a buyout player if they win a championship. Now, that that's a, mm. obviously a big if. That'd be amazing. Maybe the city burns down to the ground. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, they, they've got championships before. Maybe those Nuggets fans are, are have all that pent-up energy. Uh, I'd love to see it <laughs> as much as I love the city. Um, but you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you guys. I, I think right now Denver is my team that uh, I'm rooting for, uh, at least in the playoff picture, because I don't necessarily see the Cavs getting into there. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. Well, actually, it's it's not really laughable at this point because we do have the play-in game. So, like, it's it's right. definitely like. Sorry, that I shouldn't have laughed. Like, that's that not, was a very yeah, hearty yeah. laugh. That was a very hearty <laughs> laugh. Just you wait. Next sorry. year, next year, that seven and eight seed is coming. That, I, that is. I'm, <laughs> that is so disrespectful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay, man. This is sports, man. Oh, this is it's man. all fun. I'm, I'm. Oh. I got thick skin. I, I have to with 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 the the way I behave. Colin Sexton and Larry Nance are incredible. I will say that they are, they are a Darius lot Garland. of fun. Darius Garland. Hey, Hey, they're, they're great, man. Uh, Hey, Justin, thank you so much for hopping on. I really appreciate you taking the time with me. Where can the people find you and, and what, what are you, what do you have next? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Cavs and just slap Cavs in the Canada and you'll find me there. It looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud. You can also find uh, Chase Down Podcast wherever you found this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Um, so check us out there and and do that whole rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that good stuff uh, with this podcast and ours. The Cavs legend, Justin Rowan in the house. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on and, and sharing your insight, man. I appreciate it. Ryan, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Justin Rowan. Again, thank you so much, Justin, for hopping on. Uh, make sure to go follow all of his stuff and everything he's doing with Carter over at the Chase Down Pod. And now let's get into my conversation with Jeff Morton. 
And joining me now on his second episode of Pickaxe and Roll, it is the king of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton, at, J- at jmorton78 on Twitter. Uh, Jeff, how are you, my good friend? I'm good. It was good to uh, have a good, have a, an active trade deadline for a change. Because the Nuggets in like the last few years have been doing their trades like a week before the trade deadline, so... Right. Well, it's it's fascinating because they got their guy for once. Uh, and so I just wanted to ask you about him. Do you have any initial thoughts on Gary Clark? Great guitar player. No, he's he's he is the uh, um, um, Noah Vonley of this uh, deal. So. Yeah, I would expect so. He's he's probably not going to play. He's probably like it is what it is. But uh, that's not why we're here. Uh, we're here to talk about Aaron Gordon. We're here to talk about uh, the the man of the hour for the Denver right. Nuggets. Uh, this was the guy who you had a lot of noise coming out of every which direction, every which way, uh, from the Athletic, from ESPN, from Denver Post, uh, just basically right. everybody was was reporting that the Nuggets were interested and. And it wasn't a smokescreen this time. For for this time, they they got their guy and they went after him pretty hard and, and they got him. Uh, what are your initial thoughts about uh, when the deal happened and and what were you what do you think about the terms of the deal? Well, uh, before I get started, let me um, give you a shout out for being on the Aaron Gordon train uh, long before anyone else. Uh, you 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 were uh, banging the drum for that, and I want to give you credit where credit is due because you you were you were on that shit. I, I it's funny because I really was even before Jeremy Grant left. Like he was a guy that I had circled and said, "Look, this is the guy that if you are going to lose Jeremy Grant, or if you're going to pivot away for some some." shape or reason like this is the dude that you want to pick up and and the nuggets ultimately did that and so it's a it's kind of a roundabout way and in some vindication that hey i I know a thing or two about this nuggets roster and what they need well i let me give you everyone some context um there began rumblings about aaron gordon just pretty hard uh through the various uh birdies that talk going back a couple weeks um uh, Aaron Gordon and potentially having a destination with the Denver Nuggets. Um, right. And it didn't, for me, it didn't really pick up momentum until the last couple days. Uh, and I really do think it began with the leaking of the trade demand, which actually happened a while back um, of Aaron Gordon, which really destroyed Orlando's trade leverage. Um Everyone knew he wanted out, and right. I think I don't know if you listened to Bill Simmons' uh, podcast today on it, but I think he actually, for a change, had it right. Uh, this was a forty-five cents on the dollar trade for uh, Aaron Gordon. I, I, uh, I mean, the Nuggets did not, and I, let me reiterate this, and I think you know this too, uh, Ryan. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets did not, did not want to give up R.J. Hampton. They, this was a very difficult decision for them because they really, really liked R.J. Hampton. And they, I, from many people I've spoken to, they really were want, per, would have preferred the uh, Magic take um, Bobo. And it didn't work out that way. But 
at the same time, um, leading up to it, I kept, I kept, as of last night, I kind of had the feeling it would happen today. I just was, I, I put out a tweet that it would happen like while I was sleeping and it didn't, thank God, but it did happen <laughs> at about 11 in the morning and uh, I couldn't be happier. Uh, I think it, it's a spectacular, spectacular deal for the Denver Nuggets. I do too. And, and it's, it's not because like, look, you're right. You're right. That the nuggets didn't want to give up RJ Hampton. That was always going to be a painful aspect of this, but in order to get a guy like Aaron Gordon, you have to give up something. And and that really was the piece that the magic had, had circled. He hadn't even played that much for the nuggets. He wasn't a part of their rotation by any stretch of the word. It was going to be painful, but it was going to be necessary. And, and the nuggets liked uh, RJ Hampton. They traded a first round pick in order to get him. And, Mm -hmm. and now think about it this way. If, If you think of RJ Hampton as that 2023 first round pick that they traded, as opposed to RJ Hampton, then they traded Gary Harris, a 2023 first round pick and a 2025 first round pick for a guy that they feel like is going to be a core piece of their roster in the regular season and the playoffs for at least the next two postseasons. Right. And I, I think the, the, the interesting thing about this is there is, uh, from what I understand, and I don't know if it's been official yet, but I was given indications there was mild protections on the 20, 2025 pick that the Nuggets sent over. Right. I don't know what those are, but I was told they were mild. So Zach Lowe, uh, Zach Lowe had it out today. He was actually the only person to have it. Uh, it was the yeah. only thing that he tweeted trade wise that uh, it was a 2025 lot or top five protected first round pick. That was also top five protected in 2026 and 2027. Gotcha. So okay. they, they protected themselves a little bit that just in case they, they are in the lottery and they hit the lottery, then they, they still get that pick. And, and that's a, a good thing for this Nuggets team that look, uh, you never know what's going to happen four years from now. Like you, you can only assume that this team is going to remain a contender, but if Jokic walks away, then like, look, you, anything could happen. And, right. and, and it's, it's tough, but look, this, this was a deal that I think the Nuggets got the better end of this deal. Uh, we're going to miss Gary Harris, of course. He's had over six years with this Nuggets organization. Uh, we've put out a couple tweets and a couple of posts on, on Denver Stiffs, including a video uh, that, that just went up in the last uh, 45 minutes to an hour or so that basically, look, this Gary Harris has been injury-ridden. He's been decimated by so mm-hmm. many of these injuries that have completely sapped all of his athleticism. He was a, an absolute flyer for this Nuggets team, strong, athletic, incredibly uh, just just resilient. And, and it's too bad that, that the injuries just really got to him here. Well, there, there's not many comparisons I can make to Gary Harris. And I, I don't want to get in my own – I can get a little negative and focus on the, the, the negative aspects of why Gary ended up being traded. Um, but I kind of want to focus on – least because a lot of a lot of Nuggets fans, particularly new Nuggets fans, got very attached to Gary Harris. Mm-hmm. And uh, all they really remember is um, the shot against the Oklahoma City Thunder and during his best season. Um, it has been not only steadily downhill since then, but tragically downhill since then. Uh, Gary just even before that wasn't able to really be healthy. But since then, 
has not just, I, I, he hasn't played more than 50 games and he's only played 19 games this year. And there has right. been a very good reason he has been surfacing a trade talks. It's because it's because of that. And I think the 45 cents on the dollar thing that Bill Simmons made uh, analogy made is it makes a lot of sense because uh, we don't even know if Gary is going to play this year. Uh, that right. core injury is is massive. I mean, he played in that one. I forget which game he played in, um, but he basically told the organization, I can't play. And the fact that they were able to trade him despite being that, um, you know, that injured and unable to play is a tribute to the Nuggets being patient and identifying who they wanted. I mean, they could have easily given up uh, a more, uh, well, a player who had been contributing this year uh, in a big way. And they, they didn't have to, they, they gave up Gary Harris. And I think that is uh, like I said, it's a tribute to uh, Tim Connolly and the, what the organization was able to do. It's good to see uh, for, for the Nuggets, and I think it's good for Gary Harris. Uh, he had just a lot of pressure put on him towards the end of his tenure here. This team yeah. was really counting on him, and, and I, I can't help but think that the injuries were just weighing down on him, uh, just for, from an emotional perspective as much right. as a physical perspective. Uh, he needs a fresh start. He needs somewhere where he can go and get healthy and then have the pressure, like have the pressure freed up from him where he doesn't have to make the play every single time. He can just work his way back at his own pace. I think that will be really helpful for him. And, and look, we're, we're going to miss Gary Harris. He was here over six years and, and I get caught going back through some of these highlights of him and, and some of the pictures of him with Jamal and, and will and, and guys like that. And so he, right. he really has been a part of their fabric for a long time. This move, though, it just it just symbolizes the Denver's transition as a team. Uh, they aren't just the we don't skip steps Nuggets anymore. They are the championship contending Denver Nuggets. And I think that was an important step for them to take. Uh, this is a step. Let's let's just be yeah. honest. What they did today was a step because they had definitely hit what they were able to do with who they had in the roster. And losing Jeremy Grant was, I think the 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 cold slap in the face uh because they were heading on a certain trajectory but eh, just once jeremy grant left it's like oh my god this is different we have lost a player even though we matched their money and i think that was a a thunderbolt to the nuggets organization and luckily luckily they were able to identify uh, aaron gordon in this situation and capitalize on the fact that he wanted out which is what you want to do uh, with a team, with an organization that isn't necessarily going to attract free agents. You have to be strategic and you have to be smart. And I think above all, and I think you could probably agree with this, uh, Ryan, above all, I think this was a smart move and the Nuggets didn't give up a guy who was playing this year. Well, he only played 19 games and they gave up a prospect who wasn't on the timeline of everyone else on the roster. And I think uh, as, as well as a pick, I think if you look at it that way, the Nuggets did a fantastic job picking up Aaron Gordon. I think so too. Uh, the dimensions that he adds to this roster are just so important to what right. a team needs in a playoff series. And it's just the ability to kind of tie a lineup together. It's just the ability as, as a athletic player who's very physical, 
who's very skilled, has good man-on-man defense, especially against the forwards that Denver tends to struggle against. I just think that his versatility and his ability to kind of mold and mesh his game around what the Nuggets are going to do, it's going to be so helpful in a series where Nikola Jokic is balling out, Jamal Murray is balling out, Michael Porter's hitting shots. What do they need beyond that? They need a guy who can stay on the floor, play defense, move the basketball, offensive rebound, defensive rebound, and then hit a shot if need be. Like they don't need that much beyond that. I think Aaron Gordon provides that and more. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I'm, I can't wait to see how his skills kind of blend with this roster. I, I am too. I, and I was uh, on my podcast today on C- my the Morecast I did with uh, uh, Tim Miller. And everyone go check out CSU Podcast uh, doing promotion on Ryan's podcast. <laughs> on, um, on, on a, yeah, it's, it's my Mile High Sports <laughs> podcast. There you go. <laughs> You're right. Um, and... Uh, on on CSU podcast today, I was uh, talking to Tim Miller about this, and I am it, this this really motivated me. Now I was already jazzed for another reason, and we'll get into that later when you drift onto that subject. Uh, but I I saw this today as a mature organization that was wasn't afraid. And to me, that sent a great signal. And now I'm thinking about what the Nuggets can do. And now, just 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 on, I'm I'm, I'm t- asking you a question on your own podcast. So, but um, sure, you're fine. Let me ask you. Aaron Gordon's here, right? He's he's going to be part of this rotation for uh, at least a year and some days, some games. What? How do you envision the starting lineup? Because uh, it was big talk about Monte Morris being the point guard, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best lineup they could put out there with Aaron Gordon. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I think that if you're going to pencil in four players, you, you know you're going to put in Murray, you know Porter's going to be there, you know Gordon's going to be there, and you know Jokic is going to be there. And I think that right. when you have a, a guard like Murray who can – play both the one and the two. He's not, he, I don't think he's synonymous with either position. So you could, you could kind of mix and match what you do. I think that there are different ways that you could go about it. If you're playing a team that has smaller guards, I think you want to play Monte Morris. I think if you're playing a team mm-hmm. that has a bigger wing, I think you'd rather go with Will Barton. I think that both of those guys in that lineup, not to mention PJ Dozier, who might be a better fit than both of them. Uh, I think that there is something to be said that any of those two, really three guys, you could see playing with that group and being very successful for sure. Uh, it's it's going to come down to probably reputation and probably just what they want to start with for their best group. And I'm going to guess that Will Barton is going to be the guy who starts at the two and then they play Murray at the one. Uh, you could probably get away with that too, because Aaron Gordon is a good passer and he can, he can be a mm-hmm. playmaker from that four position, something that Denver didn't have before with Paul Millsap. Uh, there's a lot of things that Denver can do, uh, but that would be my take is that Barton is probably the starter, but they could go a number of different directions and probably be good. You know, I was thinking about it too. And, and, and I'm, uh, this will kind of extend into what they do with the bench, which we'll talk about in a second, but there is a, it, maybe you got uh, Aaron Gordon in the dunker spot. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I was talking about this with Tim Miller and he brought it up. You got, you know, those dump down passes, those pocket passes that Jokic has uh, in the lane after he drives down would be perfect for Aaron Gordon. Absolutely perfect. Um, Or you could dump it down to him. And he's a, as you pointed out, he's a good passer. He could pass out to the corner where Michael Porter Jr. is absolutely deadly. Oh yeah. And you can you can have this kind of and and I hate this term, but I'm gonna use it anyway, gravity that goes around this, that the Nuggets gravity on offense is so immense now. Uh putting aside the defense, which I think has improved, but the the offense, the 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 gravity on it is so immense now. The spacing and the possibilities are so immense. Uh, I'm seeing this team, it's going to be rough getting together and, you know, finding uh, everyone finding their roles and how to play together. But once they figure it out, this team could be like really, really great. It's kind of crazy to think about what this offense could look like. Like we we've seen them be successful with Paul Millsap at the four. Like, like this is, this is 35, 36 year old Paul Millsap that we're talking about who has clearly lost a step in terms of playing the dunker spot in terms of his, his shot isn't as good as it once was like there, there is, there is a lot to be said about just adding a guy in Aaron Gordon, who's six, eight dynamic, athletic, uh, versatile can play all over the floor. Uh, He can run a DHO. He can even run pick and roll. I think that there's a lot of stuff that the Nuggets could do. Uh, just playing a lot of guys that are versatile, a lot of guys that can fill different roles in different positions, it will make them so dangerous. And Aaron Gordon, his his best spot, like when, when the Nuggets run the two-man game with Murray and Jokic, his best spot is probably in the dunker spot with Porter in one corner and uh, Barton in the other. That would be my guess. But yeah they could run other sets and they will run other sets. And there are going to be so many times when Jokic is just directing at the top of the key, they're running motion offense with cuts and screens and back cuts. And then Aaron Gordon streaks open down the middle of the lane, wide open for a reverse dunk or some sort of windmill jam. Like it is going to be incredible to watch him riff off of what Jokic does. I, I am looking forward to it, especially for that reason. Best dunker we've had on the uh, the Denver Nuggets since well Jr. Maybe and uh, yeah yeah maybe even I mean look the Nuggets aren't this is an organization is not really known for their athleticism hell, hell yeah and hellfire <laughs> dunks so this is going to be this is going to be unique for people I'm I'm excited and I hope I hope and I think I'm I, they are I'm hoping people are excited about this because it. I think represents to me a sea change within this Nuggets organization and their awareness that their time is now look people, the Lakers are missing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Who knows how far they'll fall. You got to take advantage of this right now. And I think the Nuggets know this and they know that they need to put the pedal to the metal. And they have the roster to do it. I think Gary Harris is going to be a loss for sure from a defensive perspective in the backcourt, but I don't think the Nuggets are as worried about the teams with the guards as Mm -hmm. they are the teams with the forwards. And, and that's probably the biggest, uh, that's probably the biggest concern for Denver's playoff success is whether they can match up with those teams. 
and yeah, and we'll no talk doubt. about the we'll talk about that in the next segment. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench. We're going to talk about some of the combinations we're going to get into, and then we're going to talk about another like perfect addition for the Nuggets team, Javale McGee. We'll be right back. <laughs> back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning into this extended uh, long podcast uh i talked to Stephen cameron in the first part of this talked to justin rowan in the second part uh we talked about javel mcgee in that section and i'm going to talk to jeff morton now of the csg podcast and uh we're going to talk about javel mcgee who old friend javel mcgee uh it is interesting to see denver reunite with a player that they had last in 2014 jeff it's been that long mm-hmm. let me let me clue some people in here okay I, i'm gonna i'm the only person you've talked to that uh covered javel mcgee in pre-championship era <laughs> javel mcgee um yeah. i i I saw the news today, and and this is something that I, I, I maybe I went over the top, and I, I probably did. But I, I saw the news tweeted out today, and I started cackling. I mean, literally <laughs> cackling, laughing. Because I never thought, as someone who, as a, as a 36-year-old guy covering the Denver Nuggets back in 2014... I never thought that I would see JaVale McGee in a Nuggets uniform ever again, as poorly as his time ended with the Denver Nuggets. I was shocked. And I looked down at that and I just started laughing. Not that it was a bad, not because it was a bad move. That that has nothing to do with it. It's just sometimes I, and and it kind of reinvigorated me and it's hard to explain this. And people have just kind of, um, I think it was Evan Fiala um, pointed out, like, this this reinvigorated you? Let me explain something. And Evan, if you're listening, I, I, <laughs> this is to you. I have not watched the Nuggets since the late 80s. Sometimes I need a reminder that the Nuggets are still the Nuggets. Because, because I saw that and I'm like, this is absolutely absurd. And and that that is that is the entire thought that I had. It had nothing to do with whether he fits or not, because I think this is actually a good move. But on the second, the, the other part of my brain is like, <laughs> like like going insane, like the mental asylum thing, or he like guys in a straitjacket, just oh, yeah. you know, in a movie, like he's just cackling at the top of his lungs. That was me <laughs> because I I was like, oh my god, this is such a Nuggets thing to happen right now, and I was just giddy. And it was like it connected me to the Nuggets again because I was like, in no other situation would this I like even occur to me that JaVale McGee would be back in a Denver Nuggets uniform. And I just it was it was just invigorating to me. It was just my connection. It it reminded me of my fandom of the Denver Nuggets. It's so cool because JaVale was a part of a lot of great moments with Denver. Uh, he was part of some blunders, to be clear, but he was on that 57-win team. He was a part of things for that group. He was absolutely a big – was it, yeah, you know, he was a part of that 57-win team. Like, he was a piece yep. of that group, 
that was just one of the most exciting pieces that they had. And, and he was an athletic specimen, uh, somebody who was running up and down the floor, uh, streaking down, catching three-quarter court alley-oops from Andre Miller. Uh, he, he had the, the backdoor cut play with Andre Miller in the half court where he would catch a reverse lob. It was very fun to watch him. And did he goaltend some shots and, and do some absurd things? Did he nearly tear Ty Lawson's ACL? Yes, he did do all of those things, uh, while, while trying to, to do a little bit too much, but he is a player who, uh, through, through thick and thin, uh, throughout his career. He's been the butt of a lot of jokes. He's been uh, Shaq's uh, whipping post on Shaq and a Fool, and he has come out of it on the other side, a three-time champion, much more mature, a contributor to champions both on the court and off the court. And I think this is the best possible redemption arc for JaVale McGee. He could be a piece that at least wins Denver a playoff game at some point. Let me let me let me just throw this out to you, Ryan. Um, it is not his fault Masai Ujiri signed him to a ridiculous contract. That is okay? true. Oh, yeah. It is not, um, and that was on Masai, and that was the biggest mistake Masai ever made was 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 signing that contract. Um, he, he was bidding I pointed this out on the podcast today. He was bidding against himself. No one else was bidding for for JaVale McGee. He right. wanted to lock Majid Javale down, and he gave him like it was like four years, forty-four million or something like that, if I if I remember correct. And at the time, the cap was lower; it's a different era. Oh yeah, um, that was starter money at that point, like like a hundred percent. And it wasn't a contract that uh, was befitting someone who was playing fifteen minutes, seventeen minutes a game. And that is not JaVale's fault. Um, and, I, and I will not hold that contract against him. Um, there was other things that happened that I won't get into, but I think the redemption issue is, is a good one. Because JaVale, I think, and I heard some in an interview with him recently where he sounded a lot more mature, um, trying to interview JaVale McGee from 2012 to 2014 was a chore um, he was very uncooperative. He felt the media was out to get him, which in a lot of cases it was. Yeah. And I, I think that what I saw recently as opposed to now is a JaVale McGee that feels and is a lot more comfortable in his own skin. And I, I, I respect that. And I think what if the Nuggets have him coming off the bench and playing about 15 minutes or 10, 10 to 15 minutes a game? That will be absolutely perfect, and he could fundamentally change the defense on this team. How old do you think JaVale McGee is? 33. He just turned 33. He was born in 1988, at the beginning of 1988. He mm -hmm. is a true veteran now. He is mm -hmm. somebody who he grew up uh, so much just with how far he has come. Uh, he, when he got, when he got to Denver, he was in his age 24 season. Uh, he was a completely different player. He had grown up around a John Wall, Washington Wizards, Nick, Nick Young group. That was just atrocious. And he never learned any great habits from that team. And, and they, they tried to, uh, kind of squeak out the, the raw potential that he had there, but 
I think that this is going to be a good move for Denver for one reason and or not, not multiple reasons, but here's one main reason. He knows his role now. He's been yep. in the league long enough that he understands the ins and outs. There is no like there's there's no questioning the situation in Denver. He is going to be the backup center behind Nikola Jokic, and he may not even be that on some nights. It might be Paul Millsap. It might be Jamichael Green. Those guys could play together, and it would leave uh, JaVale McGee out of it. He is coming to the Nuggets to try to help them win a championship and try to bolster their success by doing anything he can as a role player off the bench. And he is well-suited for that role. Uh, he, he started a lot of games for the Lakers over the course of the previous two years before this one. Uh, he was in a low-minute role then and really did excel most of the time in that role. Uh, he is a player that I think is going to be really valuable for this Nuggets group because of the athleticism that he provides, the shot blocking that he provides, but also the veteran leadership and how he knows how to play and he knows how to completely shape his role going forward. Well, a uh, 33-year-old uh, JaVale McGee is going to in- inherently be a lot different from 26-year-old JaVale, JaVale McGee when he oh, yeah. left. And I think I think he's learned a lot. I saw that last year with the Lakers. Uh, he accepted his role. Uh, he had a hard time accepting his role when he was here. Uh, but I saw a lot of maturity and a lot of acceptance as he's gone on. I mean, being on championship teams with the, uh, the Golden State Warriors and the Lakers helped him out considerably. And being around star players like that. I mean, you got to think the... Um, 2012-13 Nuggets didn't really have stars. Right. It was a very egalitarian, as Adam Mahrez would say, team. It was a it was that kind of share it. No one is huge. I mean, you could argue that Gallo or Ty was the the kind of the quote star of the team, but there really wasn't any stars. Um, and that's a, a lot of that's a, a much different situation than coming into a situation where you go to Golden State and you're on a team with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala, Andre right. Mongreen, and then you go to a Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and all that stuff. There's a lot different, and you learn a lot from that. And this team has Nikola Jokic. There's a pecking order on this team, and I've always said that um, basketball teams have an ecology, and they have you have to have uh, kind of like a pack thing where there's a lead dog and there's a there's a number two and a number and all that stuff the nuggets have a very clear pecking order and i think that benefits every player subsequent player who comes in because they know the situation they know what's going on and it's easy for people to slot themselves in rather than in a place where it's no real there's kind of a question and there's a vacuum look at aaron gordon in 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 uh uh, orlando i mean they needed him to be a superstar and let's Face it, I mean, uh, I think uh, Matt Morris has said this on Lockdown Nuggets. He's more of a Sean Marion type than he is a uh, star player, which he, he, you know, he's got glimpses, but he's a guy that can glue your defense together really well. Him knowing this, and I think there's some level of acceptance here, I hope. I think think all of that is good because of the pecking order, and I think that benefits JaVale McGee as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Really quickly here, if the Nuggets do start Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic, 
who comes off the bench for them? We know that Monte Morris is going to be there. Uh, I'm, I'm well, and, and really beyond that, like you could make a case for any number of guys that are going to be on. I think PJ Dozier is probably going to be there, but beyond those two, I, I, I question who else is going to be in that group. Well, I thought about it today and Tim and I talked about it and look, if you, if you, if you just throw out like Monte point, point guard, PJ Dozier or whoever insert, insert player, um, you know, at the three, you're talking maybe uh, who would you get at three off the bench? Well, uh, th- that's the thing. Uh, you might actually stagger and you might yeah. bring either either Murray or Barton or Porter uh, or even Gordon, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you could play those guys with that bench unit and, and probably be okay. Uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. I think, I think you're probably going to go at that point, if you're going to go full bench, you're probably going to go Faku, Monte, PJ, off the bench of that situation, which is okay. It's a lot of it's a lot of ball handling. It's a lot of creation. Uh, not a lot of outside shooting, uh, though. PJ has been pretty good uh, at the four and the five. Is really is really curious there because we we just talked about Javale McGee and what he can add. Uh, do you think that they would play him over Paul Millsap or Jermichael Green? Yes. I think um, so too. Because because they need rim protection. Uh, and let's be honest here. That's the one thing the Nuggets don't have. And let's also be honest here. They gave up Isaiah Hartenstein and two protected second round picks. I mean, protected second round picks. Can you believe that? Um, mm. To to <laughs> Cleveland for this, right? Yeah, big so price they, to pay there. <laughs> uh, I mean, they got nothing for JaVale McGee. And... Uh, they gave nothing for Jermaine Lagie, I should say. And Hartenstein was a disaster. And I, I, yeah. I was hoping that I saw more and I was trying to fool myself into seeing more, but he was that bad. And there was a reason he was out of the rotation a lot of nights. And I think JaVale's good enough as, as a quote rim protector in that, that they can, that take, they can get him out there and kind of affect the way that teams uh, play offense because you, you, you have a guy out there who can block shots and let's face it, other than Michael Porter, he's basically the only other person on the, on the roster is going to block some shots. I agree. No, I, I like what JaVale brings in that situation. Uh, real quick among the players who have played at least 250 minutes this year, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein leads the NBA in personal fouls per 36 minutes. Oh my God, um, I, that for, for some reason that's not surprising to me. <laughs> and and it's not close, by the way, because he has he's averaging seven point eight fouls per thirty six minutes. The next closest is Ed Davis at six point seven, then Dwight Howard at six point two, Harry Giles at six point oh, Moritz Wagner at six point oh. And then you get JaVale McGee at 5.7, but look, 5.7 <laughs> versus 7.8. Like it's a, it's actually a market improvement. Like what are we talking about here? Uh, so, oh so gosh. I'm, I'm, Ed, I'm at least interested. Like it should be fun. I'm always surprised Ed Davis is still in the league. I, I, I remember Ed Davis essentially got Lionel Hollins fired because Lionel Hollins did not want to play him in, in, in uh, Memphis. And yeah. the, the, the management there, specifically uh, John Hollinger, really wanted him to play. And now he's a guy who gets 
uh, what, 6.7 fouls per game <laughs> per hundred, but what, per 36, right? So per 36. So, I mean, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It's just a crazy stat that I, I wanted to throw out there. Uh, Isaiah was a good player. He, oh, he was a good person. Like he, he was very nice uh, to the media in general. And then yep. I thought he was very forthcoming with, with the situation in Houston, but uh, uh, I could see why Houston was, was okay with, with not letting him with, <laughs> right. with letting him walk. Let's just say <laughs> um, real quick while I, while I have you, uh, the Nuggets did this deal to match up with those big wings out West. As we talked about, they, they want to match up with the Lakers. They want to match up with the clip with the Clippers. Excuse me. They've talked about the Mavericks in the past and how that team has really given them issues. I talked to Steven Cameron, who's a, who's an Orlando writer earlier. And he had me just kind of look, he was had me kind of salivating really uh, about the Aaron Gordon matching up against big wings. Uh, that is his job on the defensive end in Orlando. That has been his job ever since he got there. He's the athletic guy who is going to match up against these players no matter what. He's going to do his best, and he's going to limit them to, to a lower percentage than they're usually going to get and do it pretty well. Uh, that's all you can really ask for in, in that case. And Denver just acquired that guy for Gary Harris, for RJ Hampton, and for a protected first-round pick. As we've talked about, that's a steal. Uh, how do you think this, like, if, if you're ranking Western Conference contenders right now, where do you think the Nuggets fall in that pecking order? Well, with the Lakers, like, dramatically falling, I think they're playing right now, uh, as of this recording, the Sixers. Um I think they've risen up, uh, and I not their their disaster versus uh, the Tampa Bay slash Toronto uh, Raptors. I, I think I think they are on the rise. Uh, I think they should. There, I to be honest with you, I think they're better than the the, the Phoenix. I think mm-hmm. they're a better team than Phoenix. Um, but uh, the Clippers are a good team. They've fallen off a bit lately. Honestly, I don't see a limit to what they could do if they could put it together. Uh, it's going to be kind of a work it on the fly kind of thing. Um, and I, I will be curious to see how they're able to stitch it together on the fly like this with someone who's coming in who's this talented. Um, that, And I think Jokic is going to have – this is the hardest part of his job right now is holding this team together while they try to incorporate two new guys, specifically in mm-hmm. JaVale McGee, who let's face it is a guy who just rolls to the rim. That's all he does on mm-hmm. offense. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a screen and roll guy. That's it. So he gets, he's the, as I used to describe Clint Capella, he's the grand garbage collector, you know, guys who just get, get, get the garbage. And they and, do it well. Yeah. And then on the other end, they, they block shots. Um, so, uh, that's going to be more difficult than anything else. Cause I think Gordon slots in a lot easier than people are going to think he, he will. So I, I, I think that's Jokic. It's going to be up to Jokic to hold the team together while they figure it out. But mm-hmm. if they can get to about the four to the three seed by the time they get to the end of the, uh, uh, season. I think they'll be in perfect position. 
So I, I think that they match up really well against Utah. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a team that, despite the fact that they lost Gary Harris, I still think that they match up pretty well against Utah. Faku is going to be annoying against a guy like Mike Conley. Uh, he just has to get like he, he played. He played Utah too early, uh, and and they they didn't necessarily have a lot of time. But Jokic is still going to be dominant in that series. If Jamal Murray is on the floor, then they don't really have an answer for him, as as we've seen. So when when Jamal Murray has it going, and when Jokic has it going, things can be unstoppable. Denver just added a guy in Aaron Gordon who can switch on to any of their players. And right. it could be Donovan Mitchell. It could be Mike Conley. He'll probably start on Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, he could switch on to Joe Ingles. Like if, if the, I think that this gives Denver an opportunity that if they were to face the jazz in the second round, let's say they would be okay. If they were to well, face them in the finals, they or the Western yeah. conference finals. They'd be okay. If they were to face the Phoenix suns, they'd probably be okay with that too. This just gives them a, a massive edge, I would say. Well, let me let me throw this out there. There's a couple things here people need to remember. They lost to the Portland Trailblazers in, ni- in 2019 almost purely because Rodney Hood was six, was 6 foot 8. Yeah. Let's just let's just put that like throw that out there. That is why they lost in there. Um, so you go to fast forward to 2020. They are in the bubble, and the uh, Utah Jazz are attacking Michael Porter Jr. on switches every single time. With Aaron Gordon out there, it becomes a lot harder to do. Who are you going? Who are you going to call over on a on a on a switch then? And and not that's Porter slowly getting better at defense also helps this uh, this situation. But if with Gordon out there, who are they going to switch on to? I mean that that is that is becoming a factor now, and I think this is what people need to see when they look at this trade is that it's be it's a lot less easy for teams to exploit the Nuggets' weaknesses in the starting lineup with Aaron Gordon occupying a role that let's face it with is plus with Michael Mike Porter Jr. getting better and Jokic having a great year and Jamal doing his thing. Um, it's going to be a lot harder to exploit these issues that the Nuggets had, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. Against the Clippers, now Aaron Gordon matches up with Kawhi. Now it means that mm-hmm. Bill Barton doesn't have to match up with Kawhi Leonard, or or Michael Porter doesn't have to match up with Kawhi Leonard for all those possessions. You, you can have Will Barton guard Paul George and be okay, or you can have uh, Michael Porter guard Paul George, and he'd probably be okay at that. And, and in my opinion, like he'd he'd be better in yeah. that situation than he would against Kawhi. Totally. Uh, and and then there's another guy, and like Marcus Morris or Nicholas Batum, that if, if you really need to hide Michael Porter, throw him on that guy, and you'll be okay. Like, and you could still keep him yeah. on the floor offensively, and he'll be, still be extremely dangerous. It's against the Clippers, against the against the Dallas Mavericks. You could have Aaron Gordon guard Luka Doncic. You have Michael Porter guard uh, Maxi Kleba, and you have like, and that's that's just a situation where you're going to be okay to mix and match with these guys. And the Lakers one is still the questionable one. Like, I don't know what they're going to do if they match up with the Lakers. I know you put Aaron Gordon on LeBron James. I think you probably put Michael Porter on Anthony Davis. That's my that's my guess, but hmm. it if you put if you start and you go big and you go Michael Porter at the two, Aaron Gordon at the three, and Jamichael Green at the four, 
that's a lot different than the lineup that Denver started with, with, uh, with Jamichael Green at the three, Paul Millsap at the four, and Jokic at the five. It's oh, just right. a lot different, a lot more athletic, a lot more spacious still. Like there's still ways that Denver could could play with those situations. And they'd still in that situation with Porter, Gordon, and Jamichael Green, they'd still have three guys that are in between 6'8 and 6'10. That is the way to guard the Lakers. Well, let me throw this out there, and, and I know you're you're short on time here, but I got a question. How does this affect Paul Millsap? Uh, he has been a guy for a while that you, you and I know this, that he has been a guy for a while that's been okay with taking a step back and, and, and maybe taking a lesser role. Mm-hmm. He's seen, he's seen how things have gone. He understands his, his time is, is with this team that he came back on a one-year contract and it wasn't supposed to be as a starter for all of eternity. The nuggets were going to find a different solution. And Paul Millsap was brought back to kind of bridge the gap a little bit, and and now that gap feels a lot less, uh, a lot less scary. And I think that Michael Malone, he can look at the lineups that he can throw out there and say, okay, I've got Michael Porter at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, Nikola Jokic at the five. I feel pretty good about that. I feel pretty good about Jamichael Green at the four on the second unit, and Javale McGee as that rim rolling big. Right. It's it could be a situation where Paul Millsap is just taking some DNPs here or there, resting up a little bit. If he if he plays he at some points, then he plays. But and there there will be matchups for that. Chevale McGee isn't an every every game player, but I think that this is going to be a situation where those guys, and even J- Jamichael Green in this case, they probably all rotate a little bit. Nobody plays every game, and they try to do their best to find the combinations that they need to find that don't always include Paul Millsap. Was it you that I texted after the Orlando game that Michael Porter and uh, Aaron Gordon were talking for an yes. extended period of time after, after the game? Sort of and, funny, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's interesting. And how do they know each other? And, and, and I was going through all these, you know, that Zach Galifianakis gif with, you know, all the, all the numbers over superimposed over his head. That's what I was thinking at the time. I was like, Oh, <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, well, but a, a, a good relationship like that, like that is essential. And I, that kind of got me excited because like, look, it's all well and good to like throw a player on a team uh, in this case, JaVale is familiar with the organization. He's familiar with Tim Connolly. Um, he doesn't know Michael Malone. He, in fact, Connolly's probably the last person left from when he was here because uh, Gary's now gone. Oh, and maybe, no, because he was traded at uh, the deadline 2014. So uh, no one on this roster was here when he was here. But Tim Connolly's here, so he's familiar with the organization. But you you want there to be some sort of camaraderie on this team, which is very important. It's a culture thing with Tim Connolly oh, yeah. uh, and uh, Calvin Booth. And I think you're seeing kind of that aspect here because from what I have been able to glean through, uh, as I, I call them, birdies, but the people who, who talk and all that stuff, league sources, uh, the Nuggets did their due diligence with uh, Aaron Gordon and they kind of uh, made sure that he would sit well with who they had within their culture. 
that it was 100% essential to them. Not only is he talented, but he fits within what they're trying to do. And I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you're listening to this, uh, you should be really excited about that. I love it. It's going to be great, man. This is going to be a lot of fun to cover. Uh, this team is back. This team, they have they have a contention window. This team could win an NBA title as soon as this season. And I think that's that is the first time, this is the first time that I've really felt that way, given the way that Michael Porter has progressed, given the way that Nikola Jokic has progressed, Jamal Murray. Yeah. Adding Aaron Gordon to that mix, a guy that ties it all together, along with the depth that they have on the second unit, I think that there is a lot to be excited about. You're right. Nuggets fans, they should be jumping for joy about this because over the next two postseasons, Denver's going to have their best chance at a title that they've ever had. Oh, 100%. I completely agree with you. And today's left me like I was already invigorated with, I don't know, in a weird way with the JaVale stuff. But once they consummated the uh, um, the Aaron Gordon uh, trade, I just was like, this is a team that is all in. And I think all Nuggets fans should be like happy that they were willing to take this uh, next step because this is a step. As I said before earlier, this is a step. This is not skipping a step. This is an actual step they needed to take and they identified it and they knew where they needed to go. And everyone who's listening to this should be, as I pointed out before, really excited about this. It's going to be fun, man. I'm really excited. This is going to be a great time to cover this team. So awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on with me. This is going to be good. Everybody make sure to go check out CSG podcast and go make sure to check out Jeff and follow him on Twitter so he can get over so he can get more followers than he has because he decided to wipe his Twitter clean some time ago. Uh, <laughs> at jmorton 78 because this heathen decided too many people were following him. Follow this man. Yes. <laughs> I have I have 900 followers, I, and, and that took me two years. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Let's get it done. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you so much man. for hopping on with me, dude. Thanks, Ryan.